0: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 260 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week, the Godfather, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? <laughs>
1: Uh, I I have to make an announcement after listening to you and Jason a couple of weeks ago. I am fully clothed. (laughs) There will will never be any naked podcasting on my end. I have no No. idea what you're talking about, Bill. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to know what you and Jason are doing. And if you guys do the podcast together, I really don't want to know about it.
0: Okay. We are miles from each other when we record, first of all. (laughs) All right. We're going to start this over. This is Red Leg Nation Radio. Um, (laughs) There he goes again. This is the opening day podcast. This is our—I uh, know, right? This is where we get a chance to be a little bit optimistic about the Reds, and uh, you know, talk about what we expect a little bit. And I thought it'd be fun this year, Bill, for our opening day podcast to make it an all viewer mail podcast. And so we got a bunch of uh, viewer mail questions that have been submitted. We'll just go through as many of those as we can get to uh, by the time our uh, time runs out. And uh, I think it'd be a fun way to preview the upcoming season you okay with that absolutely i was i was sitting down
1: watching the parade earlier and for those people that live in cincinnati they'll know what i'm talking about when i say that may be the only parade in the world that's longer than the harvest home parade
0: <laughs> it's a long parade i did it one time i've been to six opening days i did uh, the parade once and sort of felt like i'd seen what i needed to see yeah um, don't you think though this is
1: probably the longest day of the year for the players
0: oh it's got to be it's got to be. Starting. You know, they get up
1: and, and, and get to the ballpark, and they're sitting there, and everything else is going on, and they're waiting for the game to
0: start. And it's got to be. It's got to seem like this day is like six days long. And baseball is not a game that kind of depends on adrenaline or anything like that. So it's uh, also a day where they're probably really exhausted by the time the game's over. So there's yeah, there's a lot going on today. Yeah. So, uh, I, before we get into the viewer mail questions, just uh, quickly. Are you, you know, we complained a little bit on the last podcast about the Nixon Zell stuff. We aren't going to get into too much of that today because I think it's uh, really important to remember that this is a vastly improved roster over what the Reds ended the season with last year. And, I, you know, you can disagree with some moves or or not, but isn't that to you as well, Uh, it is for me anyway, a real reason to be optimistic about what we're going to see this year?
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more I I'm, I'm as pumped about this team as I've been any team in a long time I would say I'm more ex- excited about this team than I was the teams in the in you know 2012 13 whatever that, that actually you expected to win I think this team is going to be fun to watch I think there's going to be times when they're going to be frustrating this could be this could be a building block year and and, and, and it's going to be a strange year going in and we've talked a little bit about that. You know, with all the one-year deals and, and what they end up doing at the trade deadline and all that kind of stuff, you don't know whether this is a one-year a one-year thing where they're going to be competitive and then they got to start over, or is this a building block to the future? And I think only time will tell.
0: Yeah, a lot of questions to be answered here, but unlike more recent seasons, they're not uh, they're good questions really in a lot of ways. I think you said the word that I would use more than any. Which is fun? Uh, are there? Is this team going to be good? Well, we don't know. I think they're going to be competitive, and there's a chance they're going to be good. Uh, you know, there's even a, a, a some small chance they'll be really good. But I guarantee they're going to be fun. At least certainly much more fun than the teams we've seen recently. And to me, that's a that's a big deal. You know, it gives me something to want to watch. I want to see Yasiel Puig. I, you know, I want to see what Sunny Gray and and if Alec Wood gets back. I want to see what they're going to do. Luis Castillo, uh, Joey Votto. I think it's going to be whether they win or lose or whatever happens at the end of the year, I think you're right. I think at the very least it's going to be something entertaining to watch. And that's, you know, that's something, right? Well, yeah, and, and I
1: think, I mean, it even showed when I talked to Chris, you know, last week, even Chris is kind of excited about this season and this team. And, and, and maybe he, you know, and, and, and that says a lot to me for insight because he, he's he got a better view than either one of us do.
0: Yeah, you're talking and, about Chris Wilson. He course. seems
1: to really like the, the direction that the franchise is going.
0: Yeah, me too. And so uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump into some, some viewer mail questions. These, as always, actual letters from actual viewers. Or not. I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not going to <laughs> take that bait this week. The first uh, uh, the first group of uh, questions that we're going to dig into today were submitted at Patreon, where you can support uh, Red Leg Nation, the Red Leg Nation radio. As well you should. Patreon. Thank you, Bill. Patreon.com slash Red Leg Radio. Um, and one of the perks there is that you get a little priority in, your, uh, in the viewer mail questions. But I think we're going to be able to get to those and many more today. So the first one's from Sean Lehman, a good buddy for a long time. Sean, uh, big-time uh, data guy and big-time Reds fan. He asks, is there any path to sustained success for the Reds? There's two questions here. Is there any path to sustained success for the Reds that doesn't involve a steady stream of homegrown pitching? And the second question is, how likely is it that the new coaching staff and the adoption of technology and analytics can solve that problem? I'll take a stab at it first, if you don't mind, Bill. Go ahead. I don't know that there is any path to sustain success. That that doesn't involve getting some of that pitching through the organization and and building them up through. And, uh, you know, I just, you can't go out and buy all your pitchers. (laughs) You know, once a pitcher has shown he's not going to be injury prone and that he's a viable major league starter, they, they cost they cost you something in terms of assets, uh, not just money, but also in trade assets. And so I think that it's really going to be important that they grow their own pitching. And they've not been able to do that. They've absolutely not been able to do that. And that's where the new coaching staff, specifically Derek Johnson, the new pitching coach, who has carte blanche to control the pitching from top to bottom in this organization and in the in the, in the way that they're training and the way that they are uh, you know, uh, approaching their Craft, he sort of is the he's the overall guy all the way down to the bottom, and you know you and I have talked about that for years, uh, and and I think the adoption of the technology and analytics absolutely I don't know if it can solve that problem along with the coaching staff because um, number one it is a problem but I think it's a huge step in the right direction. How likely is it? I don't know. We're still in the early days here. I think the Reds have given me reasons to be optimistic about that with Derek Johnson and about the and with the technology and the fact that they're all going to be on the same page. I just like the fact they're trying something different because what they've been doing in the last few years, absolutely, in the last few decades, has not been working. Is that fair? Yeah,
1: I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I I think, and I hate and I hate using this term, but you know, I look at St. Louis. And they have an organizational plan, and and they're competitive con- continually.
0: You were going to say the cardinal way, were The you?
1: cardinal way, oh, yeah. Bill. I know, I know, but but you know what I'm talking about. But there was an article in the in the Enquirer today in the opening in the in the opening day section, and they talked about the organizational philosophy, and that they may move instructional or the instructional league closer to winter because uh, the pitching coach wants to go to the Dominican and work with the guys down there, and in, in the in the you know in that in the uh, Well, the program down there. Um, Not long ago, the Reds said that they were going to uh, um, have a program for every minor league player. Uh, An individualized. Individualized program, which I think is a great idea and and it's a great thought, but it's it's interesting that they did it. So I, I went to a former minor league player and asked him what he thought of that. And he said, having individual individual plans and then checking in, engaging with the players one-on-one with the field coordinator, pitching coordinator, definitely is awesome. However, however, it's much easier said than done with roughly 200 minor league players. Also, some of those one-on-one meetings could get interesting when you said, I have a lower ERA and pretty much better stats in every category than Joe Blow. Why did he get promoted last week instead of me? And I think that's an interesting point. As much as excited as I am about the fact that we seem to have an organizational philosophy for the first time ever. Let's not gloss over the fact that, that some of this is PR.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what what I was saying. I think it's a, great in theory. The execution is going to be the question.
1: Yeah, and, and 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 you know, you talked about the technology and analytics. You can, to me, you can never have too many tools. That's what we're talking about here. It's just more tools. You know, Chris talked in that interview that the, you know a lot of this the, the, this technology and and stuff. It's just really a a different way of dumbing it down for the players to explain to them what they've
0: been trying to teach them all along. So we'll see how they execute. I think that – but ultimately I think you agree that the fact that they're doing something different is at least reason to be uh, optimistic because – Absolutely. Absolutely. I just just don't want everybody to think
1: that this is all of a sudden going to cure all their problems and there aren't going to be any more bumps in the road.
0: Yeah, I, th- I, think that's, I think that's fair. Uh, thanks for the ca- question, Sean. Steve Offenbaker also uh, submitted this question at Patreon, patreon.com slash redlegradio. Steve, uh, host of the Reds Alert podcast you should check out. Steven asks, Chad, have you ever had any talks with your publisher about an audible version of The Big 50? If not, would you consider it so that more people could be exposed to the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds? Steve, no, we haven't had those conversations, but if you pay me enough, I will call you and read it to you over the phone. Dwight Kelly asks, hash brown viewer mail, Many of us grew up studying the older priority stats. After the three slash line categories, which offensive stat category would you prioritize next? Which pitching stat category, in your opinion, is the most telling of a pitcher's performance? And then final question does Bill like karaoke? And if so, what does he sing? You want to take the last one first?
1: Does uh he- the answer is no. No. There's not that much alcohol in the world. <laughs> but if I did, it would be something like uh Jimmy Buffett's God's own drunk where you can kind of talk it.
0: Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> um I
1: guess your field's first and shout, you know, something like that.
0: After uh the three slash line categories, which of course are batting average on-base percentage and slugging percentage, which offensive stat category would you prioritize next? Uh, do you have a quick answer to that?
1: Mine would probably
0: be OPS+. plus. Yeah, which kind of sums up all the uh, the offensive contributions. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I guess that's what I would – I like that it's baseball references uh, stat. It's a, It's a quick and dirty way to determine if you're above average or below average as a hitter. Yeah,
1: none, none of them. None of none of these. There is, and, and I think Doug talks about this all the time. There is no one number that's going to tell you everything. So you look for the quick and dirty ones that tell you the most.
0: I love wins above replacement as an overall measure, but it's very quick and very dirty. It's, it doesn't. No stat is going to tell you the entire picture. So uh, I, I like OPS plus. I like wins above replacement, but you got to put all of those in. You you've got to take them as for what they are, basically. Uh, which pitching stat category? Now, in your opinion, it's most telling of a pitcher's performance. You know, I like Phipps at uh, Fangraph, Fielding Independent Pitching. Um, I think that's as good as anything. It gets as close to telling us what the pitcher's actual contributions are. But with pitching, especially, you've got to look at a lot of different things, uh, you know, strikeout rates and, and walk rates and, uh, you know, hard hit percentages and it's just so many things you really need to look at but if you're looking for something quick and dirty i, I kind of like that one you have anything else
1: i i think you got to look at different things for starters and relievers uh i i like inherited runners allowed to score for relievers i i think that tells whether they're doing their job or not
0: how would we know if a Reds reliever was doing his job it's been a while and what about this would you sing a taylor swift song karaoke i wouldn't i wouldn't know a taylor swift song no they have it right the words right on the screen for you there you're seriously trying to get our audience to believe that you don't know the words to every single taylor swift song
1: i can tell you our audience would believe i wouldn't know the words to one taylor swift song no
0: they don't believe that that we all think you're a closet taylor swift fan matt sherry (laughs) asks it's my first opening day assuming that i hear the pod before the game and that you've been to one, do you have any advice for the opening day experience? Well, you're not going to hear it before the game because we are recording literally. We're hoping to finish right before first pitch. Um, but, Bill, do you want to talk about, uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but any advice for the opening day experience? Everybody should do
1: opening day at least once. If you, if you, if you live close enough that it's possible. And, and if you do opening day, you should do the parade at least once. It's it's, but, it's it's worth seeing, yeah. Experiencing and it's part of the experience. I mean, it's it's Cincinnati's big holiday. I mean, it's it's a it's a citywide holiday. I mean, you everybody's heard the stories. You get pulled out. Of, you pull your kids out of school. Take the day off work. I mean, all you need to do is see that overhead shot down there by right by uh, Great American Ballpark, an hour before, probably right about now for you know an overhead shot and you can see how many people are down here they got I, I thought I saw Castellini heard Castellini say this morning that they expect like 200,000 people down downtown at you know either at the parade or down around the ballpark and only 40,000 are going to get into the stadium it's so it's it's a it's a citywide holiday but I'll be tell I'll be honest with you as I've gotten older I mean we were opening day last year I don't want
0: to go down and fight the mob anymore <laughs> it, I know. It, I, I know. It, I'm old. Like, what can I say? It is a mob, though. But, but Matt, I think you'll enjoy the fact that it's there's just a buzz that you don't. Absolutely. it, it It's it's a blast. Yeah, the I've been getting in and out and and all that. And... Sure, but we've been to playoff games since then. There's that buzz in the air, and it's a really very similar to what you would see at a playoff game. It's just an excitement, and it's a different crowd in a lot of ways. It's a, you know, it's it's people who go there for the experience in a lot of ways. Uh, but, Matt, I think you're going to have a great time. Uh, in terms of advice, just soak it all in. Go to the parade if you – I hope you did. Um, and in future years, anybody who's planning on going to open a day, do the parade. Uh, do all the festivities surrounding. Go hang out around the ballpark for a while before the game and then go enjoy it. R.C. Courtright asks us at Patreon, At what point in his career would you expect Joey Votto to no longer be the best hitter on the Reds roster and why? Trade retirement surpassed by another player. Hash Brown viewer mail. Now, this is funny because did you see the picture of Joey Votto yesterday? Oh, with the graph t-shirt? Yeah, with the, with the t-shirt on that had a, the graph of uh, the age-related decline phase. Diminishing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, showing where he's supposed to be declining. Um, it, because a lot of people think he is after a, a, certainly a subpar season for him last year. But at what point in his career would you expect Joey Votto to no longer be the best hitter on the Reds roster? I think that I'm bullish on Votto this year. I think he's going to bounce way back. And so I'm going to say he's got two more years of being the best hitter on the roster. After that, I think uh, he's no longer the best hitter only because of that age-related decline. I'm going to give him two more years, and someone's going to surpass him. I don't know who it'll be. Uh, Nixon Zell, perhaps. Uh, Eugenio Suarez. I don't know. But uh, that's what I'm going to say. Somebody We don't know. Ted or Trammell, maybe, by that point. But uh, that's what I'm going to say. You any thoughts about uh, about that bill? I, I'm not as bullish on on Joey as you are, I, I, and I you know
1: I'm not taking anything away from his greatness. But I, I boy, I hope he bounces back. But and I know spring training doesn't mean anything, and blah blah blah. Well, he's been bad in previous springs. I, I, absolutely right. You know what did Jason say? The the year he won
0: the MVP, the 532 OPS in spring training or something. Yeah, yeah. So. Um... Yeah, I, I understand, though, the uh, – I don't know fear is not really the right Father word. Father time but, catches up to everyone, and nobody can predict when that will be. Sure, sure. Father time's undefeated. But, um, I, you know, I just think that he, he's Joey Votto, and I'm willing to believe that uh, there's something there. But I understand being skittish about it as well after last year, and then certainly the spring numbers. Um, so you think that this is the year, or last year was the year, that he wasn't the best hitter on the Reds roster. Or do you? Or do you think he may have at least one more of those years? I, I think he.
1: I'm hoping he has this year, and then you know, hopefully next year, you know, Suarez or or someone. Yeah. Is, and what I would really like
0: is someone to surpass him, and not it be because he regressed. Right. Great point. Yeah, have him be Joey Votto, but somebody else just uh, fly past him because they're so good. That that's a good idea. Let's make that happen. I like I, I like that idea much better. Joseph Prince asks us on Patreon, the July 31st emergency Red Leg Ra- Nation radio podcast of this year is going to cover the trade deadline, I presume. What are the three major stories that podcast will cover? You know, I, uh, Three major stories. It might be difficult to say the three, but it's interesting to think, what do we expect? Because we're optimistic about the season. What do we expect? The Reds make a,
1: a David Wells type of deal where they bring a guy in and give up something to push him over the top in the last month and a half of the season.
0: That would be nice. I think that there's a chance that they make a deal like that. Boy, I hope they don't trade for David Wells, though.
1: Well, I'm talking about a David Wells type of deal, because that was the last time that I can think of that they made a deal to, to, to push them into the playoffs.
0: I've looked around the league. I don't see many guys that look like David Wells these days. Oh,
1: you're there not have, saying... too many guys that can pinch like David Wells That's Z. true.
0: That's a fact. <laughs> um, I think there's an equally good chance that they make a trade like that and that they, at the same time, trade people away. That they're both buyers and sellers at the trade deadline. And what I mean by that is uh, they've got a bunch of guys, as you mentioned earlier, that are on these one-year deals. And so if, you, if it's a guy that you're not going to be able to keep around... You can flip him for somebody that's going to help next year, and for the uh, you know. I'm not talking about trading for you know single A prospects, but I would not be surprised to see if they tried to flip. You know, I don't know if it's Alex Wood or Yasiel Puig or certainly Matt Kemp they'll try to flip. Uh, but any of the scooter Jeanette, any of these guys in the last year of their contract that they might be able to get someone for. I, I think we could see them being buyers to try to improve the team for this year, and also sellers. I guess does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. I, I think by May fifteenth, maybe June first, they're going to have decided who they want to try to keep around and who they won't. And they'll they'll get us you know they'll try to get extension signed. And if they can't, I think anybody will, you know it'll be open season on anybody on, their, on in their walk year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think though that they're going to be at least close enough to competitive play that they're not going to. Go nuts at the trade deadline either way. Um, but I also could see, you know, them being good enough that where they do try to go out and make a trade to put them over the top, they're that close. And so there's a pretty wide disparity in the, the, the low, my low prediction and my high prediction for what this team could be. And that's, that's kind of exciting too. This is, this is where I have
1: a problem with the rule change with the trading deadline. When they do this, it, it forces teams, you know, the major league baseball says they want more competition, but they're forcing teams to make this, desi- make decisions earlier about whether they want to, whether they want to buy, you know, whether they want to be buyers or sellers. It, it, it seem, doesn't seem like it makes much sense to me.
0: I just like, I don't like the fact that if you're making, whether it's July or August, you got teams that are making the decision that they're going to tank the rest of the way. And that's largely what, that's largely what you've got um, with the trade deadline, whether it's July or August. That's one of the biggest problems with professional sports, and certainly with baseball, is that it's just too many teams tanking, um, just in terms of the product that you put on the field. This, Jim Conley has a question here at Patreon, and uh, this goes back to something you said earlier, Bill, so I'm going to give you first, uh, first crack at this. I'll read the whole question, or the whole statement, and then uh, we'll get back to the question. When was the last time we were this excited about the Reds, asks Jim. As always said, hope is not a strategy. If the potential of this club is realized, there's no reason to believe the Reds would not be in the race for the National League Central. I don't think you have to squint to see October baseball is actually possible. It's opening day, exclamation point. I'm with you on the optimism, Jim. And I do think that it's, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that the Reds would be in the race for the National League Central. But Bill, I want to ask you, you said that you're more excited about this team than even you were in like the 2012, 2013. When's the last time you were this excited about uh, an upcoming Reds season? Uh, king griffey juniors first when year i was a kid
1: probably not not uh I, I was pretty excited about the 2012 team we we knew we were going to have a really good team and, and thought that they had a chance to, to to basically win it all i don't think i think you know if you went back and, and we talked you look at what we were talking about then um, and we were disappointed in, in how things turned out for us but I don't think I was any more excited then than I am now. And going back before that,
0: it's probably into the into
1: the seventies.
0: What about two thousand when they uh, got King Griffey coming off that uh, ninety six win season, King Griffey Junior. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah, it was exciting. And and I don't know why I wasn't that excited.
1: Maybe I realized that Griffey was on the downside. You know that that I or maybe that's retrospect. I
0: I don't know. I honestly don't remember. I just, in terms of being optimistic preseason, that's a, that was a that was a year that, I don't know. I thought the Reds were on the verge of turning the corner, and it had only been you know a decade since the last World Series, and only five years since they won a playoff series. We're at this point, we're seventeen losing seasons out of twenty-two. Uh, I think that plays into the optimism as well as that our expectations have been beaten down so much that just having a fun team is a uh, is a reason for excitement.
1: Yeah, uh, the Cubs the Cubs, drew, the Cubs drew like crazy for a lot of years when they were really awful. They really did. They really did.
0: But you know, it's a party at Wrigley field.
1: Of course, you know, I heard somebody say one time that going to see a Cubs game when they keep losing is kind of like taking your clothes to a dry cleaner that always screws them up and keep going to the same dry cleaner.
0: I don't know. I went, uh, I went to see the Reds. Play. The only time I've been to Wrigley field, I went to see the Reds play there and this was before the Cubs had the recent resurgence and the, in the world series victory. And they were awful. And, uh, the place was packed. The game I was at, and I'm telling you, I was the only person watching the game. It was just a party all the way around me, and I wasn't invited.
1: Where were you sitting? Were you in the bleachers? No, I was not out in the bleachers. I was
0: mm. uh, I was down the third baseline, but
1: yeah. So uh, the one time I went there, I was down a third baseline too, and it, it, and it wasn't like that at all. Of course, this was in the '80s, but, but everybody was watching a game, and we were having a good time, you know, teasing each other back and forth, and was. I think it was before people got too serious at ball games, and you know when you couldn't afford to be a fan of the other team.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's it. But uh, I don't know. I I just I'm terribly excited and uh, for the season to start, and I'm terribly happy that when I wake up tomorrow morning, after uh, opening day has finished, I'm happy I'm not going to be a Cubs fan.
1: You know. You know what though? Don't you hate that day off between opening day and the second game? It's the worst. They get you all uh,
0: jacked up and then take it away from you. It's a long – tomorrow is a long day. Yeah. (laughs) Good day to listen to the Red Leg Nation radio podcast. There you go. Woo the Reds on Patreon.com. Woo the Reds says – asks, Since the Reds were willing to give the fans only 92% of a season with their best players on the field – He's, of course, referring to the fact that – They intentionally did not have the best 25 on the roster at the beginning. What should the fans do with the missing 8% of the season? Read a book? He advises me to avoid the shameless plug for the Big 50. Uh, Illegally stream Reds games? Spend more time on Twitter.com? Let's say that you were uh, not going to watch the Reds for 8% of the season, Bill. What would you do with that uh, extra time that you found? Watch the Reds. Come on. I'm telling you, no, you're not watching the Reds. I'm a fan, man. God, you're you're incorrigible. There he goes again. <laughs> I'll tell you what I would do. I would read the Big Fit. Okay, anyway. Isaac Starcher on Patreon.com asks uh, three questions, and I think they're all uh, pretty interesting. Uh, the first one is, what do you guys think of the way the bullpen turned out? Personally, I'm done with Robert Stevenson, but the Reds seem unwilling to lose him to another team, leading them to have him on the opening day roster. Let's take that one first. Uh, what do you think about the bullpen and uh, Robert Stevenson specifically?
1: I, I didn't really understand the last cuts uh, keeping Stevenson, but I think it's a money thing, you know, an investment thing, as much as anything. Yeah, you know, Chris, Chris even talked about it on the on the podcast, you know, on the interview last week. He couldn't see the he couldn't see Stevenson making the team either.
0: Yeah,
1: it and surprises yet, here, me. Here he is. Um, they're not going to be, the, he's not going to be the first guy out of the bullpen. You know, he, he's going to be the, probably the last guy out of the bullpen. I would think. Yeah. I thought, the- you know, so again, I, I, you know, it's kind of like that 25th man thing. I'm not going to get myself too worked
0: up about it right now. Right. And and ultimately what we're talking about here is that the the final roster cuts where there were three guys vying for the last two spots in the bullpen Robert Stevenson and Juan de Peralta got those spots. Matt Whistler was uh, essentially uh, placed on waivers uh, because uh, he didn't have any options left. They, they cut him. Uh, and he may end up still in AAA in Louisville. But uh, the way I look at it is you're talking about the seventh and eighth guys in a bullpen. Uh, first of all, eight guys are too many for a bullpen. So these are the last two guys that are going to be pitching. Uh, Peralta is going to be the third option, the last option, if you need a left-hander behind uh, Amir Garrett and Zach Duke. I don't understand why you keep you take a chance on losing a guy like Matt Whistler, who's not no great shakes, but he's uh, he's fine. I don't know why you take a chance on losing him to keep Wandy Peralta when Peralta had options. You could send him down. I also don't love the idea of having any of those three on the roster because I think Cody Reed and Sal Romano are probably better bets for those spots. So ultimately, you know, they're, they're going to give Stevenson one last try. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I guess I don't have too much heartburn over because we're talking about probably, you know, the 25th guy on the roster, but, uh, I was, I thought it was a little strange. The bullpen overall though, I think should be pretty good. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. And, 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 you know,
1: if you read the, you read the, the, the articles, Stevenson changed the grip on his fastball. And so he's, he's corrected all of his problems. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, how many times have we heard that? Ugh. Well, you know what? The one thing it does tell me, though, it does tell me maybe he's listening to
0: a coach. Yeah, and it's a new coach now, so if it, think we, if he can harness know, that talent. Maybe. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing, though? It would come, come out of left field, but uh, I'll sign let's up for that. Opti- opti- We're being optimistic, so let's be optimistic. I you know? choose to be optimistic. <laughs> uh, Isaac had another, another question here, and I'm going to co- combine that with one from our buddy Woo the Reds. You do the woo when you're at the ballpark, Bill? No. That is the most obvious answer you've ever given. I knew there was no chance you were going to say yes.
1: The only wooing in the world should have been Ric Flair. Oh, oh
0: professional wrestling you're okay with. Taylor Swift? Ric Flair is the greatest of all time. Oh, my gosh. Not greater than Taylor Swift. I, Isaac- don't, think they've ever, I don't think they ever wrestled. <laughs> <laughs> though Rick, though Rick probably would have. <laughs> yeah. Isaac Starcher asks... Has Scooter Jeanette potentially lost his starting spot as a Red with this injury? Would the Reds put Senzel in his natural second base and shift Peraza back to short? And let's combine that with uh, Woo the Reds' question. I feel with the Senzel injury news that the Reds are almost certain to keep him down in AAA until he is safely past the Super 2 deadline, which means they can steal more money from him. How likely or not do you think this is to occur? I think that, and I'll, I'll, let me take my stab at this and then let you weigh in, Bill, because we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on Senzel I don't think I think they keep Senzel down only until he is healthy. I think he's up at that point. I don't think they're going to try to push him past another deadline and, and risk upsetting me even further. Has Scooter lost his starting spot as a Red with this injury? No, and the reason why I don't think that's the case is because if the Reds had any intention of putting Senzel at second base, his natural position, really in a lot of ways, and shifting Peraz back to short, they would have announced that at the time that uh, Scooter got injured. But no, they said we're gonna keep him in center field. Not that you can believe anything they tell you, but uh, I think if he were if there is any chance that Scooter was gonna lose that spot, they wouldn't give it to Jose Peraza in the meantime. They would have said, All right, we're giving it to Nick Senzel. Any thoughts about the about that?
1: No, I I agree with everything you said. I, I and without getting into a rant, the Senzel thing I I didn't have a and you know, I I understood the business end of it with the with sending him down for the two weeks. But then when you lose your, your starting second baseman and, you, you know, and you definitely got a place that he can play, you know, and you can't talk about you know, the fact that he got hurt because they didn't know that at the time. Right. It shows that, that it was just a, a money decision and a business decision. And, and, and at that point, you knew it was really hurting your ball club. Yes. I, I, I think you could initially with the center field thing, I think you could have made a logical argument that your team is not going to suffer dramatically. But then, when you're, you know, and you know, not only you're you're playing two guys out of pos- or playing a guy out of position who's just coming on, blah blah blah. Anyway, you guys covered all this the other day. I don't want to go back through it. But I, I, and the other thing is, I don't think we're real sure when Jeanette's going to be back,
0: or once or when Senzel's going to be healthy. Yeah, they say eight to twelve weeks for Speeder so Jeanette. Guys care themselves. We'll find out. Yeah. In, in the meantime, we've got Jose Iglesias, who I don't like criticize him because I like having Iglesias as the backup uh, infielder on this team. I don't like him as the starting shortstop. Uh, and Isaac's last question from Patreon: What's your pick for the Reds' record and why? What record are the Reds going to uh, going to have this year? I think they'll win eighty five, eighty six. I
1: was a little higher. I've come down a little bit, but
0: and I and I I think five hundred is the floor. Ooh, interesting. The floor. I think they could go lower than that. My prediction is 84 wins 84 and 78 would be their record i was way higher as well Uh, i thought they were gonna i had 91 was gonna be my optimistic projection but that was back when i thought the reds were going to do everything they could to win as many games as possible this year Um, they didn't go all in they went in though which is why we're optimistic but are you gonna have that put on a t-shirt yes yes Okay. i'm upset about it still but i'm still optimistic 84 wins man that's or 85, 86, like you're saying. That would be fantastic. That would be a fun, fun, fun season. And, and they would be playing meaningful games to this franchise in August and September. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? I can barely even envision that. It'd be so much fun. You um, wet your pants. <laughs> well, I'm probably going to do that anyway. Um, but at least I'm wearing pants. Ryan Rayburn. Thank God. At twitter.com slash redleg radio. You can find us at redleg radio on Twitter. Asks viewer mail. How much more do you love me than the Hunt for Red's October podcast? Seeing us, how they don't love me at all. Uh, we love you infinitely more than the Hunt for Red's October podcast, which is a fine podcast that you should not listen to around your mother. Um, if, if, uh, if they don't love him at all, if you love, if we love him at all, then that is infinitely more. Exactly. So we love you, Ryan, infinitely more. There you go. Let's see what else we got. What are the top five? This is from Frank Novak. At the Frank Novak, if you were confused, this is the Frank Novak. What are the top five ballpark foods at Great American Ballpark? What's wow. your favorite? What are your favorite? Let's call up a five here. What are your? What's your favorite? Be you go a, first. You go first. Okay. I got to think about this. Well, my my favorite is the Coney. I mean, the the, well, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, cheese. Yeah. See, but I don't consider that ballpark food. I know, but it that is a staple of many, many people's visit to Great American Ballpark.
1: Do you always? You always? Do you do you get Skyline every every game you go to?
0: Most games. Do you? I mean, but we're not talking about what you get every game. We're talking about what are the top five that you can get at Great American Ballpark? I think, and, and, and I and I'm not going to be able
1: to name what they were, but that that barbecue booth that's that's kind of out by the Bow Tie Bar. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I've not had anything out there. Is it good? There's, they've got some good stuff in there.
0: What about uh, funnel cake fries? You had those. I'm not a funnel cake guy. Oh my God. Grater's ice cream. Love me some Grater's ice cream. You don't like funnel
1: cake. No. You don't like Taylor Swift. I don't. I didn't say I didn't like Taylor Swift. No. I don't know
0: any Taylor Swift. You've been incredibly critical of Taylor Swift today, and I'm upset about it. Um. So what'd you say? What'd you say? You, you know, did? you're not that much younger than I am. <laughs> I like pretending that I am. Um, <laughs> Actually,
1: you are that much younger. Than I'm I am. a
0: little bit, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> what about the uh, What about the famous? And this is what one thing that Frank mentioned in his tweet here: the famous Helmet Sunday.
1: Never had that. I'm, I'm a, if I'm getting ice cream down there, I'm getting Graders. Now, let me just tell you
0: something. He also mentioned hey,
1: Helmet Notch. mainly because I, I went to high school with uh, Cindy Grader, whose family owns Graders, and I've always been a Graders fan.
0: Well, that's a greater story. Yes, it is. Helmet Sundays helmet nachos I do think you have to concede this bill that every food you can get anywhere is better if it's served in a helmet I do agree with that because you can wear your plate home see what kind of a restaurant they would let you wear your plate home I love not that. many not many
1: not many but you know what else is no matter what food you're eating it's always tastes better at the ballpark.
0: It does. That's a fact. It's always more expensive, but it tastes better at the ballpark. You know, listen. If we're going to talk, talk top five ballpark foods, I'm going to go with a classic uh, ballpark frank. And you know, that's my top five. It's it's sort of common. It's the the old school thing. But man, everybody loves a a hot dog at the ballpark, right? I'm more of a I'm more of a, a Met guy than a than a than a hot dog guy. But that's classic Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
1: So. Oh spe- speaking of and I don't know if we've talked since I went to spring training baseball while I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago I don't not know. only not only are the prices for spring training baseball in Florida ridiculous we yeah. went to a spring training game saw the, Ma- the Marlins play the Astros the cheapest ticket was 20 bucks to sit in the bleachers in the outfield
0: yeah that's not the, the, the longtime reputation of spring training but I got to tell it, you this it, bill when did you plan this trip? About six months before we went. H- had no one told you that the Reds are actually training in Arizona now? I was confused. I was I was wandering around Sarasota for like two days. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured. Yeah, we got to but,
1: but, you know, not only do they charge Major League ticket prices, they charge Major League uh, concession prices also. Well, but you get to watch Major Leaguers for two innings. Yeah, I saw Verlander that. Uh, the day I went, I saw Verlander oh, wow. throw five innings. Well, there you go. I was I was I was really looking for Verlander's wife. That would have made my day.
0: <laughs> is he married to Taylor Swift? No, I got he's it. married to a woman, not a girl. Oh, my goodness, Petros Wills on Twitter <laughs> asks, and this is a very quick, just answer quickly. Considering okay. that Scooter's out, when Senzel makes his debut, will he start at second base or center field? Center field, center field. Yeah, I think we kind of already answered that, but I wanted to go ahead and answer that question. I think we agree. to so be in center field this year. We'll see about next year. Um, Derek Jones on Twitter, at DJJ1015. Derek Jones asks, Red Leg Radio, if you could go back in time and watch any Reds player in their prime, who would it be? I'm torn between Frank Robinson and Ed Roush. What do you think about that one, Bill? I don't know who my answer is. It's neither of those, although both of those are, would be in the top five, certainly maybe top three. For me, it's Yule Blackwell, the whip. Mine would probably be Bucky Walters. Oh, Bucky Walters, the former third baseman who uh, became a stud pitcher for the Reds. Yes, he was. Well, Yule Blackwell, for about a six-year period, was widely acclaimed to be maybe the best pitcher in baseball. People don't know that these days. Um, and, another uh, one.
1: Another one that, would, that comes to my mind is be it would be Big Clue. Ted Kluszewski. Oh, yeah.
0: Ted Kluszewski. Absolutely. What about? Wait. What about uh, if you could go back in time and watch in his prime, Luis Alberto Boni? Did he have a prime? Hey, his prime was better than mine. He made it to the major
1: leagues. True. Uh, you, know, you know, another name is in and in a friend of Red Leg Nation that comes to mind is Jim Maloney.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jim Maloney, who's been on the podcast, and uh, you had a great interview with him. Yeah, would love to have seen that guy because he was a hammer. Just an You absolute. know what?
1: I, I was I was just re- I was was reading through um, Red Leg Journal not long ago, just, you know, how you, you, know how you just break it open and look something. The the night that he blew his Achilles, which basically ended his career, you know who was pitching against him? I do not. Another friend of the podcast. Freddie, Freddie. Norman. Yep.
0: Lee May, May had four hits and a grand slam off Freddie Norman that night. And I bet after the game they talked about how, you know, in 40 years they're going to be on a podcast. You think they talked about that? I bet they that? did. I bet they did. Brandon Taylor, love your question, but I'm not going to answer it here uh, on the podcast because we don't want to talk about service time issues. Oh, it's just we no. did plenty of that last week. Um, but I agree with your question uh, with the premise of your question. Let's see what we got next. Um, uh, Adam Han- Hanaski, I guess Hey, uh, pronounce that. If I said it wrong, let us know. I see off season PR moves with still bottom 10 payroll of mostly one year deals. What this tells me is ownership is not committed to winning. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, here's what I think. Uh, you You're know, wrong. Well, thank you. There you go. That was the question. I mean, that's what he wants you to do. Tell him he's wrong. I think, you know, uh, he also added in the handling of Sinzel and not trading or paying for a legit number two starter. Uh, I think they may have gotten a, a legit number two starter in Sonny Gray. We'll, time will tell on that one. Uh, and possibly Alex would. Um, but you got to kind of squint a little bit, as I always say, to see that happening. The ownership is not committed to winning... I think that ownership is committed to winning. I don't think that ownership has yet proven to us they're committed to winning a championship. And that goes back to me saying that they were in this year, but not all in. And I'm not saying it was the wrong thing to do, uh, necessarily, in terms of not really truly going 100% all in right now, uh, leaving themselves some flexibility and things like that but they have, still haven't proven to me that they are committed to winning a championship. That will come this coming off season and uh you know the next 18 months basically. Does that make sense? Unless they follow the
1: same blueprint next year that they follow in this year. And and then it's going to be a year to year proposition.
0: Yeah. And that will that will tell me they're not committed to winning. They're committed to doing just enough to get me off their back. Let's see what else we got. Uh we got to have some more questions here. We got a bunch, I think. Um uh, Ryan Southworth, uh, again, since they'll question, um, it might have been easier to, to uh, bear if they'd been honest, but no. Uh, Matt, Stefano 78 at MStefano78, Matt asks, is it possible to get some WD-40 on Dotson's office chair?
2: <laughs>
0: I notice that sometimes, and every time it happens, I'm like, oh, I probably don't notice it most of the time, but I'm like, oh, I'm squeaking here yes just for you Matt I'm gonna get some wD40 and I've tried to sit really still t- today I've tried not to make too much noise um, I don't know that it's working but I'm trying
1: well I'm glad that it does you know that it does it when I'm not here because people aren't saying it's Bill's back
0: <laughs> yes really <laughs> um, let's see Eric Hiltz, a Senzel question and we again we just did a whole podcast on sinzel. But let's look, look, Just quickly, is there a chance the Reds don't play Senzel at second base when they call him up to avoid Wally pipping Scooter? I don't think there's any chance. That they I don't think that comes into the conversation. I think he doesn't play second base because they're committing to him in center field this year, and then they'll make the decision. I think there's a chance he's the long-term center fielder. I, I, I do think there's a chance of that. Um, I think they think he can be an above-average center fielder. So I think we'll get this year to determine that, and if not, they can move him into second next year when Scooter's gone, presumably. I'm curious to see where India plays this year. That's a great point. Jonathan Indy, of course, last year's first-round pick out of the University of Florida, much like Senzel, SEC uh, Player of the Year uh, in college, third baseman in college, but very athletic and able to play other positions. I'm going to be fascinated to see whether or not he plays second base to begin the year. Because if he plays second base, um, that gives you some indication that they're looking at uh, Senzel as a center fielder long-term. Also, it will tell me that they actually have a plan for him, and they never had a plan for how to get Senzel onto the Major League roster. Do you think they believe that the Tremel can't play center? Uh, oh, yes, I do absolutely think that. I think that the scouts are in agreement with that as well, that he's just not going to be able to handle it, but that he's going to be a corner outfielder.
1: I don't know. Jesse Winker's playing
0: center field. Oh, my gosh. There he goes. <laughs>
1: Anybody can do it, evidently. And well, <laughs> it's and a little criticizing more Winker. More Senzel thing, and then I'm going to quit. They send him down to get experience playing center field, but their backup center fielders never played any center field.
0: <laughs> no, he didn't have any experience either. Uh, it, just, it just it shows that they what they were saying was just. Uh, anyway, we know they 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 think we're that dumb. Any immortal words of Henry Potter or Colonel Potter? Um, Bobby Cat at Broadcast Bob sixty six asks this question: When will the Virginia Cavaliers get upset? Hashtag viewer mail. That wasn't very kind of Bobby Cat. Not really, wasn't. But it's fact. There's no, there's no
1: reason to believe that they will. They, you know, they struggled a little bit in their first game, and then they they played well.
0: There is reason to believe that they will, that that's a factual statement. That's, that that's because you saying. you don't want you don't want to be positive about your 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 boys. Listen, I'm excited. I'm pumped up because uh, the Reds' opening day today, and then tonight. Uh, by the time you all listen to this, the game will likely be over although I may post it up in the middle of the game. Uh, they're playing against Oregon in the Sweet 16, and, and Virginia, you know, listen, I'm excited. I get to watch my, my Wahoos in the Sweet 16 and the Reds on opening day. It's a beautiful day. And, and uh, didn't, didn't, don't they have the lowest seed? that They're playing the team with the lowest seed left in the tournament? Yes, they're playing a, a number 12 seed, and they could never lose to a double-digit seed, I'm sure. Anyway, the last uh, four times the Virginia has been a number one seed, they've gotten upset. By someone. So uh, when will they get upset? I'm going to say that they're not going to get upset. They're going to win tonight. And they're going to win against either Purdue or Tennessee to make it to the final four. Now, they may lose in the final four, but, you know, I don't know that you can call it an upset if you make it that far. So, Bobby, why are you trying to make me upset is the biggest question.
1: Yeah, you, you, Bobby, you can really upset Chad with the, on this line of questioning.
0: He, 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 he gets a little temperamental. I'm a little bit, uh, you know, uh, what's the word we're looking for here? I'm touchy about Virginia. That UMBC loss last year, man, that bitch about killed me. So, anyway. um, Heck, you were dying the other day against Gardner-Webb. Well, they were losing by 14 points to Gardner-Webb. Gardner-Webb, that sounds like the name of a second-year student at University of Virginia. Actually, you
1: know, I believe one of our past uh, minor league guys that we were friendly with went to Gardner-Webb, if I remember right. Russell Halterwanger, oh. I think, went to Gardner-Webb.
0: Man, that's a good name. Mm-hmm. I met that. him the same day I met Bo Lanier down in Sarasota. Yeah, I forgot about that. All right, last question for viewer mail comes from Mike Flick, at Mike Flick, ironically. Mike Flick asks, Would the average fan advocating for teams to maintain salary control by playing service time games with prospects, accept similar practices in their own workplace. What do you think about that? Because you were on board with the service time games. We don't have to get Sinzel specific, but uh, a lot of people agree. Um, And I understand why you agree, but would you accept similar practices in your own workplace? It's tough to... It's tough to make that comparison, you know. Yes,
1: it is, because it's, it's not
0: a true capitalistic economy in baseball. It's a closed economy. Yeah. You know, I think the first thing that needs to happen is they need to get rid of this uh, antitrust exemption, but that's a, a legal argument for a different day. Um, I don't think any sport should have an antitrust exemption. None. I agree. And here, let, me, let me tell you something I tweeted the other day. I want to get your reaction on this, because uh, I know you're a big soccer guy. I know you're wearing a soccer shirt as we speak. I am wearing a soccer shirt as we speak. FC Cincinnati, baby. Um, I think they should get rid of the antitrust exemption, and I think baseball should go to a promotion relegation system like they have in European soccer, which are the three worst teams in the majors get bumped to AAA, and the three best teams in AAA get bumped to the majors every year. What do you think about that? It would invigorate the sport of baseball around the country. It makes my head hurt. It, it does. But think about how much more exciting it would be to watch games in Dayton if you knew they had a chance of moving to double-A. And eventually even all the way. That's what happens in the European soccer. I think it's fascinating. I love it. And with the minor league system in place, it would take some – I'm, some I'm curious
1: because I, I know nothing about the, the European soccer. The teams that, that get moved up, do they usually get knocked right back down? Not always.
0: Occasionally, not always. But sometimes they cement themselves in the league and, you know – Work really? their, their way up in the league. Sure. We had a, a champion of the league, Leicester City, a couple years ago, had only been in the league, uh, what, two or three years at that point, maybe. Um, yeah. You said me. Like, like you're a your league commissioner. I am. <laughs> in my own mind. My fantasy league. Your, your, your fantasy European soccer league? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Bill, uh, thanks everyone for the viewer mail questions. Let's sort of wrap this thing up by discussing expectations and at com today i put uh i wrote the opening day post about five reasons that i'm personally optimistic about this this red season and i think there are many more than five reasons i think you know again if we're trying to be optimistic and we are choosing to be optimistic here today right yeah absolutely uh, my first one was David Bell and this uh, the new uh, coaching staff that's in place. I think it was a real reason to be excited. In this opening day lineup, man, Jesse Winker and Joey Votto won two. Don't you love that? Yeah, it's. I, I think it's. I, I love having two guys at the top
1: of the lineup that, that wouldn't be a whole lot faster than me. I just think how many runs this
0: lineup could score with those two guys.
1: Well, I agree. I mean, assuming that they stay on their on-base percentage path, I mean – the the three four five guys on the Reds are going to have a lot
0: of chances to drive in runs. Absolutely, the second thing I said was Luis Castillo. I I'm so pumped up about what could be with Luis Castillo this year. I really feel that if he he, he could become that guy, the ace. Uh, number three was Yasiel Puig. I just can't wait to watch this guy. I think he could turn into being the most exciting guy we've seen in Cincinnati in a long time. Uh, Number four, the reason I'm optimistic is that the mathematical projection systems all see the Reds as a 500 team, but close to first, really. It's going to be a tight division, so I think the Reds are really in the mix and things. And number five is Joey Votto, I already said, who is, uh, I think, going to return to form this year. And either way, I'm excited to watch him. Can you think of any other things, that specific reasons why you're excited, why you're optimistic to watch the 2019 Cincinnati Reds?
1: I'm a big fan of Winker's uh, the 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 hopefully the continuing development of of Jesse Winker uh, yes. and the same and 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 uh, the same with Peraza uh and hopefully uh with Suarez um uh, yeah i am really excited about the improvement in the pitching in the starting pitching staff i think i, I think gray is going to be the guy i, I think he's going to be an all-star i think he's on the all-star team wow i like um, that and, and I and I and I've kind of I, I got to say this because I, 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 I mentioned it when the, the David Shevler was announced as the Red starting center fielder. Have you ever seen anybody have a worse day on the day you're given a starting job than he did that day? <laughs> he had a bad day out there in the center, didn't he? Yes, he did. But uh, I think I think Puig's stock here is going to rise and fall. I think there's going to be times when people are really going to be frustrated with him. Uh, the defense, the bad throws, the uh, the other day, like in Atlanta, when he didn't slide.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's going to there, it, 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 it. those of us that that are big on fundamentals are at times going to be struggling to like Yasiel Puig.
0: But if he if he hits the snot out of the ball, he hits thirty home runs, we'll get over it. Well, that's what I've been concerned about. Cincinnati fans have that tendency. If this guy just licks bats and flips bats after home runs, and I think he's going to play hard all year because it's his contract year, I think that he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to be just a superstar in this town. Now, do they sign him to a long term deal and he goes back to being a little uneven like he was last couple years? I don't know, but uh, I'm terribly excited about Puig. The pitching, you mentioned the pitching, and uh, and Sonny Gray specifically. I think he's going to be the best of the new acquisitions uh, as well. I'm excited to watch him. But when I look at this pitching, you know, Bob Castellini, a red Reds owner, Castellini, said at the beginning of the offseason, we're going to get the pitching, and we all kind of laughed about it um, and it became a good hashtag on Twitter. but And they didn't go get the pitching. They didn't get all the pitching we wanted anyway. But the pitching they got, and we're talking specifically about Sonny Gray, Alex Wood and Tanner Roark. Those are—they're not aces, those guys. Or Roark, or Roark, depending on where you're from. Or Roark. <laughs> thats what Noah did. Yeah, um, and he doesn't look anything like Sander Bullock. <laughs> Wait, what? And so uh, I look at it and I say, well, they're not star- superstars. You know, Tanner Roark isn't—he's a uh, average pitcher. But, which is, that's not a criticism. There's value in an average pitcher. But, when you look at who they're replacing, you know, they're essentially going to be taking, Homer Bailey had 106 innings last year, with an ERA over six. Um, Matt Harvey, 128 innings. Um, Sal Romano, 145 innings with a 5.3 RRA. I I like Romano. I don't mean to sort of cast aspersions on him. But, I just think, uh, you know, and who else made starts uh, for this team last year? Well,
1: Molly, who struggled you know, and, and after, what, May or after June? Yeah. Struggled dramatically, ended up getting sent down. He did, uh, but, I, but
0: you know, again, he was 23. I'm okay.
1: Uh, oh, and the same thing with, you know, with, with all these guys. They're young. You know, you, you expect they're going to get better. Young guys struggle. Where have we
0: heard that? Right. But Cody Reed started seven games last year. He's not going to start any. We're going to have these better starters, presumably, all the while, like Cody Reed. Uh, Brandon Finnegan. Started five games today. I don't know if you saw this just before we yeah. went on the air. The Reds designated Brandon Finnegan for assignment. I mean, his career is tanked. He got five starts last year.
1: Um, yeah, did you see? Did you see what Joel Luckup put on on Twitter? I did not. He said I don't follow him weeks, on Twitter. A couple of weeks ago, the Reds wanted Finnegan over whoever the other guy was. I forget the other guy's name. The, the one that they just claimed today. That they claim back, yeah. Jose Lopez, right? Yeah. Jose Lopez. Two weeks ago, they they wanted Finnegan over Lopez. Then today, they wanted Lopez over Finnegan.
0: Yeah, they claimed uh, Lopez off waivers from the Giants and got him, got him back. And so, uh, really strange. And just it's uh, that's a guy that has such a live arm, and his career just went south in a hurry. Yikes.
2: Yeah, we wish him good
1: luck wherever he ends up. And he may end up back with the Rats. Who knows?
0: Yeah, he may. And he may end up being a good reliever somewhere. I mean, st- that arm, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's in his head. I don't know what it is. But he had a, a crazy good arm at one time. So, anyway, that is what it is. Uh, Cody Reed's the last remaining guy standing from the Johnny Cueto trade. But we're choosing to be optimistic today. Yes, we are. And it's opening day. And uh, I just, uh, you know, it's buzzing uh, And it's going to be buzzing in my living room room when I'm watching the game Um, because I wasn't able to make it up this year for opening day. But uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm I'm excited. Can't wait to get this thing started. I'm ready to go downstairs and watch the ballgame. All right. Well, we are about that time.
1: Um, What's your prediction for the opening day? Opening day. Give me a game prediction and who on the Reds will offensively have the big big day.
0: All right. So you're putting me on the spot because when I answer this, everyone will know that I was wrong uh, because the game will have already happened. I'm going to say that the Reds are going to win 6-3. to three, And Eugenio Suarez is going to hit a home run. And I think we're going to get another home run from Jose Peraza.
1: I said 8-3, to three, and I think Peraza has a big day for the Reds.
0: Nice. All right, so we're agreed that Peraza has a big day. So next time we get on the podcast here, we can talk about how he went 0-6. for six. <laughs> gosh I thought we were being optimistic <laughs> we choose to be optimistic this is Red Leg Nation Radio thanks for joining us again it's the opening day edition ready for another exciting red season it's actually the 15th opening day that we've uh, enjoyed here at redlegnation.com which is hard to believe uh, you can find us everywhere you find your podcasts Apple Podcasts iTunes, Stitcher Google uh, Play or every, uh, Spotify we're everywhere go find us download us subscribe it's free it's free and uh, and leave us a good rating or review if you like us. Also, you can support us at patreon.com slash redlegradio. You don't have to. This Friday podcast uh, is going to be free every single week. But if you want to uh, go over there and support us, it's certainly much appreciated. Bill, another season, baby, and I think this is going to be a good one, right? I'm ready. For, I'm buying my World Series tickets tomorrow. <laughs> oh, mercy. World Series tickets. Wow. <laughs> for bill for being optimistic remember <laughs> being we choose to be optimistic for bill lack and world series mvp joe morgan this is chad dotson saying so long everyone thanks for listening to red leg nation radio from redlegnation.com subscribe to red leg nation radio on itunes or through your favorite podcast app and join us for discussion of all things reds at redlegnation.com 24 hours a day 7 days a week